Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. I want to start off a little different than I usually do. I want to ask you three questions. Three questions. Number one, does your life feel productive? I'm not talking about happy or sad. Just, you know, does your life feel productive? Do you think that you're getting stuff accomplished? Or do you feel more like the the gerbil in the proverbial wheel of life that's just, you know, and everybody's like, oh, you're doing so good. Look at how cute that is. And you're just, you know, going 100 miles an hour and nothing's happening. You know, do you feel productive in your life? Number two, do you, do you really feel like that you're making a difference? Because I think that that's one of the reasons God put us on this earth, is, is to make a difference. So are, are you, number one, are you feeling productive? Number two, are you making a difference? And the third question is, do you feel like you're growing in your faith? Do you feel like you're growing in your faith? Uh, just this past week, um, I was across the road over here uh, helping helping Robert take care of some yearlings. And um, anyway, if I can set this up for you, there, there's 196 yearlings over there, and steers, and we have to doctor one. And so we are blowing out across the pasture at full stupid, okay? If you've never been on a horse out in the middle of a pasture trying to rope a seven or 800 pound yearling steer at full stupid, you don't know what you're missing, okay? Uh, I almost missed the 10-foot ditch <laughs> that, that we nearly uh, fell in. But anyway, we kind of got stopped and pulled around. The, the steer didn't even make it. I mean, he kind of, he hit hard, and I kind of felt bad. But I pulled up. I didn't snowy river or anything because I'm not that good of a cowboy. So I went around the ditch, and here we go. We built back to full stupid. And I mean, I'm getting up there, and I'm swinging my rope. And I've got my 60-foot rope this time instead of my little uh, tied-on hard and fast 20-foot rope. Because I was on Fiona, and she's kind of fat and lazy. And so anyway, I, I'm gigging her, and I'm like, here we go. And I mean, I'm swinging, and I'm swinging, and I'm swinging. And I throw, and I timed it just right because there was a big old yucca. And that steer was going to go to this side, and I threw right where he was going to be. I mean, honestly, it was one of the prettiest loops I've ever thrown that never hit a cow. It did not play by the rules. It went to the left instead of the right. If that's not bad enough to your ego, right here on my right side, about four feet behind, I hear Robert McClain go, what in the world was that? <laughs> I looked back at him. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> he said, remember what I told you. And I did remember what he told me. And we'll get to that in just a second. At the end of Titus, Paul seems to say the exact same thing as Robert said to me. Don't forget what I told you last. Don't forget this part. You think about all of the things in the Bible of, you know, the, the proverbial last words. You know, Jesus' last words, uh, uh, you know, in Matthew 28, where go out and make disciples of all men and all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey 
what I have commanded, what Ty talked about. You know, what was the last thing Paul tells us in Titus? It's got to be important. He saved it for the very end. He's talked about this one thing three other times. So this is the fourth time in three chapters. Titus isn't a long book. Okay, it's three chapters, and this is the fourth time that Paul has told Titus, don't forget this, don't forget this. He tells us that we can be productive. Paul tells us how to make a difference. Paul tells us how we can grow in our faith. Once again, the three questions I asked you was this, does your life feel productive? Are you making a difference? Do you feel like you've grown in your faith? And the title of today's sermon is, What is Holding You Back? What is holding you back? Before we get to what Paul said, let me take you back to what Robert said. And let's, you know, I, I kind of gave you the end of the story. Now, let's go back and see what led up to those events and how God can speak through those. You know, uh, I, I've had the great opportunity to, to go out with Ty and Sean and, and help take care of a bunch of yearlings. Last year, we had a bunch of yearlings. And, um, you know, we've got our own cattle now. Uh, I've got to go out with, with Robert and, and some of y'all others out here. I've really had a great opportunity and, and summer of growing now, the other day, whenever we went out to check these, we had already gathered bulls all day, and if you've never get, tried to take, it's one thing putting the bulls out to pasture, they're pretty good. They're like, hey, <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> Taking them out is not, it's the opposite of that. So we had already had a long day, and so then we went out to check these yearlings, and um, a, as we were riding along, one cowboy went this way, and then me and Robert kind of continued on, and then Robert said, I'll go to the windmill, and you go this way, and check them all. Well, that's one thing that I've learned about, and this sounds so simple. I understand that. When I'm fixing to say what I've learned, you're going to be like, well, well duh. But, but it's seriously, it's very, very, very important. When you're checking cattle, guess what you need to do? You need to check them. Like, all of them. <laughs> you know? And, and, and that sounds so simple. The thing is, is that a lot of times they miss the memo. They don't all line up and go, ah, you know, when you ride by. You know, take my temperature. You know, they don't do that. Okay, that, that was not in the notes. That was uncalled for. They don't do that because I lost Robert's thermometer. In the pasture. In the pasture. Not anywhere else. But, it, you know, so, so I, you know, I come around the corner here, and I look over, and Robert's got like six to check. I've got 190 to check, and they're scattered out. And you know, when, when you look out there at all the you know, 196 yearling steers, you know, you're looking out there, and you're, you're like trying to draw a line. Okay, if I ride right here, and I go around here, and I go around here. But, but the thing is, when you go to check these things, you know, they, they may just be standing there. If they're standing there, you really can't tell if something's wrong. You kind of got to ride up to them and check their eyes and, and look at their feet and kind of get them moving because, I mean, a lot of times if, if they've got foot rot or something, unless you know, their foot is this big around, you know, it, it's, you can't tell just by looking from here you know, 20 yards away if, if anything's uh, wrong with them. So you got to go and you have to check 
them all. And, and I know how silly that that may sound whenever you're talking about cowboying, but you would be surprised at how easy it is that you're riding through there and you look over and like, ah, it looks okay. Because that's when, you know, that one that's over there laying down just looks all fine. You know, that'll be the one that has a leg this big around. He's laying down for a reason. Unless you go, you ride over there, and then there's nothing wrong with him. It's a catch-22 situation. It happens every single time. But you do. You have to check through them all. You've got to get up close to them. You've got to move them. The second thing that happened that day, so I, I'm, I'm riding along, and, and, and I'm checking, and, and, then I, and then I see Robert coming through the trees behind one. And he's giving me that thing that he... He, he, just, he just makes cowboys smile, and it's not because he's nice or good-looking or anything. It's because he's got his rope going. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we get to rope something, you know? So I start getting my rope down and everything. And, and, and so I, I get up there on him, and I've got a real bad habit of, you know, kind of... It's not a bad thing to try to get the easy shot to be really easy on the cattle. I mean, that, that, that should be our first deal. But I kind of took it to an extreme, and Robert was kind of getting sick of it because I'd kind of lollygag around there. And he's like, okay, if you don't get the shot the first time, just get up there on them and rope them. We don't have four hours, Weatherby. You know, he didn't say all that, but that's what he meant. And so, anyway, I, yeah, I, I wasn't able. <laughs> it's crazy because when you're checking yearlings, there will be 196 that will stand there, and you can hold your loop out, and they'll come put their head in it, unless there's something wrong with them. And then they're going to strike a long trot, and you know, so anyway. So you, you, you have to get up on them quick. I, I had a bad, bad habit of, of just kind of trotting along behind them. I don't know what I was doing, because they weren't going to let me, they weren't going to say, oh, I didn't see you there. Here, let me come over here, shake my head in your loop. It's not that. And so, you know, I, I'm kind of learning to, to uh, go ahead and, and get up on them, you know, because if we're going to be doctoring them, there, there's something wrong. And, and for y'all cowboys, I know that there's, there's ifs, ands, and buts in there. I, I know. But my problem was I was taking it too easy and ended up making it hard. So anyway, we, we get this one and... Uh, uh, Robert says, okay, you, you're not going to get the easy shot. Get up there on it. And so I was like, okay. So here I go. We, full stupid. You know, put it in fifth gear. And we're going along, and then we reach that ditch. I didn't hurt. That was Fiona hurting. And so anyway, we, we come back around, and, and, we, and we build up. And, and right then, as I was getting up on it like Robert had told me to do, he told me to go over there and check them all. He didn't say go over there and just check a few. He said go over there and check them all. I did that. And then when we found one that needed doctor, he said, you know, if you, if you don't have that easy shot first, go ahead and get up on them and get them roped. And then the third thing he told me to do before we went tearing out across this pasture is he said, you're holding back. Get up there close. Just because I have 60-foot rope doesn't mean that I'm cowboy enough to throw from here to that speaker over there. And that was one of my bad habits is that I, you know, I'd kind of get up there kind of close. But he told me, he said, man, get right up there on them. And so here we go. We go tearing out across there. Robert told me, get up there on them. And I get up there on them, and I'm going to make this fancy shot. And I didn't even hit the cow. 
And he's like, what did I tell you to do? Because I did. I threw from about here to tie, you know. And I, I wasn't anywhere up on him. And it just amazes me how we know what we're supposed to be doing, don't we? We know what God is telling us to do. He keeps telling us right in our ear, and we're like, okay, God, I'll do it that way. And then everything gets to going full stupid, and we throw it, and we make the same mistakes as we've always made. And we just totally miss everything. When we know, we know, we've been told time and time again, these things are not difficult. I mean, think about it. If I told you, hey, we need to go check these yearlings, we got to check them all, not, not just the ones that are easy to check, right? And, and then how many times, and, and that sounds so simple, but we don't do it. We don't do it. But then when we find something that needs to be doctored or something, we, we, we just kind of hang back, wanting the easy. You know, we don't want to go tearing out across the pasture at Full Stupid because that gets a little bit, I mean, it can be dangerous. I mean, when, when you're, when you've got, uh, thousands of pounds worth of animal and you're just kind of swinging a little bitty loot or a little bitty rope and trying to do stuff at, at, at mock dumb <laughs> things can get and, and, and with, there's a kind of a self-preservation that kind of sticks in there for most people for some of us we like it and enjoy it but still you know it, it can get pretty hairy but then whenever we need to get something roped man I, I was hanging back I, I was wanting to do it from the, from the safe spot instead of really getting my horse up there because Fiona's got a bad iron deficiency. She doesn't want to get, she hates cattle. She doesn't want to get right up there on them. And you got to kind of, you know, it's hard enough work just getting there. And if you don't think so, come out to the ranch and we'll go to the backside where all the yuck is and you try to chase one through the yucca. Now you better be able to ride. But we need to do all of those things. We need to do all of those. So what did Paul say? What did Paul say at the end of Titus chapter 3? What, what was the last, I mean, come on, we, we've all heard, you know, what do you, what's the last thing that you want to say? Paul's time on earth is limited. He's going to be killed for his faith. He already knows this. It, 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 it's, it, he doesn't know necessarily when or how, but, but he knows that his time on earth is short. So he's talking to his good buddy Titus. And what does he leave for the last thing that he wants to say? In Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 13, Paul says, So do everything you can to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos with their trip. See, Zenos, this fellow Zenos, whoever he is, and, and Apollos, who's, who's, a, who's a good friend of, of, of Paul's, and he's really helped start a lot of churches, and a good fella, right? So they're going to be going to Crete where Titus is. And Paul tells them, do everything you can to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos with their trip. See that they are given everything that they need. See that they are given everything that they need, Okay. And then in verse 14, he says this. This is the fourth time that Paul has said this in some form or fashion in Titus. He saves it for the very, very end. He says, our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then, then. You don't, you don't get, you, let's not put the cart before the horse. He doesn't say, um, if you do we're going to give you the, the dessert first and then you have to eat your vegetables, okay? He says, this is kind of a, if you do this, then this will happen. And he says, our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. 
then they will not be unproductive. Then they will not be unproductive. First thing Paul says, do everything you can to help. You got to ride through them all, people. We have to ride through them all. See, we've got this bad thing of, of only wanting to meet the needs uh, of, our, of our friends or those that, that don't look that sick, you know, or, or something like that. You know, it, it, and some of us, man, you know, we want to check on people, so we're, we're riding through them all. But what about that one laying down over there that may be inconvenient to go over there, you know, it may, maybe it's going to cost us some time. Uh, it's going to take up into our free time. It, it may going to cost us a little bit of money to, to, to go over there and do something. Well, God doesn't care about all that because he gives us all of that in the first place. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's God's. And we ought to use that to go and check on everybody that God places in our path. Now, that does not mean that I'm going to go cut the fence of the silver spur and ride out and check their yearlings, okay? That means that if God calls you, every single one of us have a herd of people that, that is around us. Check them all. Most of them are going to be just fine. Some of them are going to be maybe a little bit owie, a little bit limpy, whatever you want to say from previous injuries. We've all got previous injuries. You know, we can't necessarily fix a, a strained hamstring, okay? But, but we're out there to, to, to see those that we can help. And Paul says in verse 13, do everything you can to help. You notice he did not say do everything you can to fix. You can't fix people. You're not asked to fix people. Only a relationship with God will fix them. And that is your job, is to introduce somebody to their Lord and Savior and the source of all healing and all love. That's what it is. What's holding a lot of people back is not riding through the people that God has entrusted us with. We just take the easy way. We want to go out there, oh, everything looks fine. I'm going to go home and watch TV. Oh, they, I'm sure they're fine, you know what I mean? Their eyes were open. They only had one leg sticking out like this. Uh, must be an old injury. You know, I mean, seriously, we, we, we've got to go out there. We've got to check on people. But we are so, so self-consumed with our TV watching, with, with our own time, and, and, and with any extra money we have. Man, let's spend it on ourselves. Let's spend it on toys, just like all those toys that we don't even play with anymore that we thought we used to have. Let's play with some more toys. Let's get some more toys. Man, how about using that for number two? Paul says, see that they are given everything that they need. But see, we, we want to lollygag with that. Uh, somebody else will do it. And you're right, somebody else will do it. You know what they will do? They will take your blessing that God had reserved for you. That's what they'll do. It's not about them going and helping what you don't want to do. God has these blessings reserved for those that will do what he has commanded, that will go out and check on everything like he said to do. Check on our family. Check on our friends. Check on our next door neighbors. Go make a hospital visit. I can tell you that when on Tuesday when I went up and saw Skip, you want to talk about a hole in my ministry? That's it. I can't stand making hospital calls. I go in there and I'm like, I can get up here and talk for two hours and we'll, we'll do that today. No, I'm not going to do that. But seriously, I go in the hospital setting and I'm like, Bruh. I don't even know what to say, right? Let's pray. And even my prayers are like, God, I don't know what to say. You know, it's just, it's hard for me. It really is. But that doesn't mean that I shouldn't do it. That shouldn't, that does not mean that it's my job. 
It's our jobs as Christians to meet the urgent needs or, or to see that they are given everything that they need and do everything we can to help. And sometimes all people need is a little dose of not Drexen, but just a little dose of encouragement. Just a little dose of, hey, I care. I mean, come on, is God really asking too much of us? I, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. And the third thing Paul says, he said, learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. You know what he's saying there? When you go to help somebody, you've got to get real close. You've got to get close. It's, it, it's going to be a little bit scary because, you know, you're, you're used to trying to help by, oh, I'll just, you know, <sighs> you know, that, that's not going to work, man. We're, we're going to have to... Seriously, we're going to have to get our spiritual uh, lives up to full stupid, okay? And we need to get up there, and we need to get close to people. And, and, you know, instead of just trying to help people that, that may not need that much, you know, and, and I'm just as guilty as anybody about trying to help people like, uh, hope everything works out, you know? <laughs> That's not what we're talking about, you know? I mean, seriously, we, we, we need... To, to, to give up some of this stuff that we've been holding on to. And, and we, we've got to, to learn to get close. What's holding a lot of people back is they don't want to get too close. When you're flying across the kingdom of God at full stupid, it can be scary. But it's also the only way you're going to get the job done. It's the only way that you're going to feel productive. Come, talk to me. Talk to me about what it means to leave Texas and move to Colorado. And I'm not asking you to come pat me on the back. And I'm not going to pat myself on the back. But I'm going to tell you that the hardest thing in the world that you will ever do is also going to be the greatest thing you ever do. And I know you're scared. I know you don't think you can afford it. I know all, I know every excuse that you've been telling yourself. I know it. I understand it. And I don't care. I could care less. I, I, I really don't. Whatever excuse that you're telling yourself, whatever excuse I am telling myself, I, you know, I mean, and I'm, I'm still in the same boat. Go talk to our missionary from Jordan. Go talk, you know, talk to George and Vonda. These things that God is calling you to do, number one, you'll never be ready. And number two, you'll never feel like you're productive until you start doing these things. You're not going to make a difference by hanging back and not doing anything. Okay, you, you, you're not going to make a difference by riding out and going, uh, yeah, I think they're all okay. I mean, that one's laying down, he must be fine. He wouldn't lay on his broken leg. Yeah, he would. And sometimes those that look absolutely fine are the worst ones. And sometimes those that just look bad, they're just ugly. It doesn't, I mean, there's nothing wrong with them. Okay? But we still need to love on them too, you know? Do you feel like you're growing in your faith? I'm here to encourage you. Do good things. Paul says, our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. You know what? We have, a, uh, we have an opportunity that has been placed before Save the Cowboy. Number one, to open a door. And everybody here, I'm, I'm going to issue you a challenge, a personal challenge. Whether you live here or, or wherever, if you're watching, I mean, we got people from Georgia, from California, from Montana. I'm challenging every single one of you. If you can hear my voice, I am not talking to the person next to you. I'm talking to you. We have an opportunity to make a difference. And I want to help you because Paul says, you, our people must learn. You must learn, so I'm going to help you learn. 
We're gonna start off small. To some of you, it may be big. We have an opportunity in Mexico, just a couple hours west of Chihuahua City, Mexico. There is a family that has sold everything they have in the United States. They have moved down there and they are trying to build an orphanage and they need help. They need financial help, but most importantly, they need hands. Let's go help them. What do y'all say? Not just once. Not just so we can go, you know what, let's do that. L l let's go down there what, once a year. I I'm, I'm going to go down there like once a month or once a quarter, you know, during the week because I can do that. Ty's going to go down there. Sherilyn's going to go down there. My wife is going to go down there. I want you to go down there with us. Yeah, it's going to cost a little bit of money. And I know what you're asking. How much? Cost you $100,000. No, not really. I'm, not, I'm joking. It's, it's, it's not, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that much. It's about 100 bucks a month to go down there, to feel productive, to learn how to make a difference. We're going to do everything that we can do to help. We may not be able to help everybody, but we can help some orphans down there in Mexico. We can help a family that, that we need to provide everything that they, they need. Sure, God hasn't called you to sell everything you have and move to Mexico or move to Guatemala, but we can sure support those that can. And maybe you can't go. Maybe, maybe you, you just you can't physically go or, or whatever, that's fine. Then, then, then help somebody else go. Or maybe you've got tough hands, you just don't have a big enough wallet. Somebody will help you. Let's all work together. There is no excuse for any of us not to give sacrificially of our time, of our resources, so that we can learn to be productive. Paul says, our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. This family has given everything they have. They've got the walls of the orphanage up and... Some of their funding has dried up and, and they're trying to do everything on their own. Man, we can go down there and we can lend a hand. If you would like more information on this, please come talk to me. Come talk to Ty. See Sherilyn at the back at the information table. Let's get down there and do everything we can to help. Let's go down there and check on them. Check on every single one of them. Let's go see that they are given everything that they need. Let's go meet the urgent needs of others. The questions remain. Does your life feel productive? Are you making a difference? Do you feel like you're growing in your faith? Come, join us, ride with us. Let's quit talking about it. And let's go out there and do what God has commanded us to do. And let's go to him in prayer. Father, help us to become productive cowboys for your outfit. God, as we learn to meet the needs of others, give us the wisdom, love, and resources to accomplish what you've called us to do. God, you've given us a choice to use these gifts you've given for ourselves or to truly go, grow and use them to help others. God, help us to choose wisely. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.